we are kicking off our new series called Get in the Game, as you just saw. And it's just it's a true, you know. I mean, my uh, daughter, you know, she plays for the JV team uh, at Oakmont, and she's a freshman. And I guess uh, she had a kind of an injury. She had, she was, yeah, it was an injury. She had to sit out a few practices, and come game time, uh, game's going along, and she doesn't get put in the game. And she comes home and she's down a bit. She's struggling, you know. Uh, at one point, she told me she even told the coach, "Coach, am I am I going to get in the game?" Coach later explained to her, you know. We had run a lot of new plays in those last three practices. You missed them, and, you know, you were just coming off the injury, so I thought it was best for you to just, you know, stay on the bench, you know, for that game. But, you know, you could see she was down about it. She wanted to play, man. She wanted to get in the game, right? You know, and, you know, she's more competitive. I don't, you just want to play. You know, so everybody's, you know, your kids are different than mine. I, some of my kids are competitive. Some of them aren't, right? I mean, I think it's joy. Joy's just joy. She's in her own world, you know? See, Joy, Joy just wants to have fun and hang out. Jason's not really competitive. Good, good, you know. Maybe, uh, Janelle, Justin, very competitive man, you know. Uh, Justin, when he was little, he could not stand losing. I mean, it was embarrassing. Like, if he was losing in a game when he was like three or four or five, he'd start accusing other people of cheating, you know. <laughs> he'd turn the board, he'd knock pieces down, we'd have to drag him out of there. <laughs> you have a kid like that? I have one. But uh, I'm slandering my son, Justin. He's, as you know, he's grown out of that, right? He's doing much better nowadays. But, you know, they want to they play. They want to they win. They want to get in the game. They want to take a part of what's going on. And in this series, we're going to coach you. We're going to show you how to develop this mindset to serve God by serving others. What we call getting in the game of Christianity, right? Because that is the epitome. The epitome, that's the core of Christianity, to serve others. That's what Christ was, right? We're going to go through some scripture and to help you develop this concept of servanthood because it is so crucial to a vibrant Christian life. Without it, it's, you, you got something that's dull, that's rigid, that's legalistic, you know? It's so far from what Christ has called us to. Jesus says in Mark chapter 10, verse 43 through 44, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all, meaning serving everybody. He goes on to say in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So we've gotten our culture this mindset that says others exist to serve me. We might not say that, but it's kind of like, it's just an underlining thought we have, huh? And Jesus' mindset is quite different. Jesus says, I exist to serve others. And he not only said that, but he lived that out. And we see it clearly. When humanity fell under God's judgment because of sin, Jesus didn't say, hey, you know, this is going to be an inconvenience for me. This is going to turn around and be disruptive to me. This is just isn't going to work out well for me, this plan you got going on, God. He left the comforts of heaven to come here to earth. He died a quite inconvenient death on a cross to pay for your sins and for mine. All to serve us, to enable us to have salvation, which is huge. What does that mean? Meaning now we are saved from hell, damnation, and we will get to be reconciled, to be right with God in eternity. Eternity, eternity, forever. Got to mean something to you, right? Jesus says, I've got some skin in the game, literally, huh? 
And so the goal of this right here is to, of this series is to help move us towards developing this mindset of Jesus, developing a servant mindset, getting out of this mentality of really considering ourselves mostly focusing on ourselves and considering others because it is a game changer. huh? It is the culture of who we are here. We're a huge on culture. More than anything else, Christy talked about the buildings going to fit our culture. We build culture here. We protect culture. We nurture our culture. More than anything else, from beginning to now, we are f- just fierce about that. Because culture rules the day, right? How people act, how they dress, how they treat one another, what, they th- what they're going to do, it's the culture. And we want, at the core of who you are here, we are a culture that serves one another, Yes? We are, it's an opportunity. It's not an inconvenience. huh? It's an opportunity. Now, it's not easy because what we're talking about goes against the culture that exists around us. Now, I don't want us to be a subculture as a church of a culture that doesn't go well. I want us to engage the culture around us, but saturated with the mindset of Christ, huh? which is the mindset of a servant. Most of what we're going to engage out there is kind of a me-first mentality, you know, kind of get what I can, even in, in an innocent way mentality. The Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. So Paul is telling us, same thing he told people 2,000 years ago, he's telling us now, hey, it's not going to be easy, because I assure you, in that Roman culture, they were pretty self-indulgent, right? <laughs> Delaying gratification was not part of the Roman Empire. You know, the orgies, the robes, the whole bit. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? So what Paul's saying is, hey, here's how you overcome that. You develop this mindset, the same mindset as Jesus Christ. And you do it in your relationships with one another. And of course, Christ was the greatest example of that. And so Paul now gives us a few fundamentals in developing the mindset of a servant. And we want to go there today. And the first fundamental in developing a mindset to be a servant is check your focus. As we walk through life, we are going to be inclined to go one of two ways, either focus on ourselves or focus on others. I sure it's how it, it's going to happen. And to one degree or another, it's where people tend to go. And to the extent that people focus on themselves, it just doesn't go well. I mean, is that, some, is that really the people you really think the most of? Is the people that kind of really are focusing on themselves, their issues, their problems, their ambitions, what they want. Yet the mindset of God calls us to focus on others before ourselves. Paul tells us in Philippians, great book, Philippians. book talks about having joy in the midst of suffering. Yeah, I know. Right. Paul is saying joy in the, middle of, in the midst of suffering. So he's writing this when he's imprisoned. He's in jail. And he's telling them how to have joy in the middle of suffering. And the core, a core part of this is being a servant to others. Yeah, that's how you can have joy by serving others. That's how you can overcome most difficult circumstances. Consider others before yourself. Serve others. See God work through you in great way by making yourself available for the betterment and the help and the service of others. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 4, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. Now, this is really hard to do for a couple of reasons. One, we have a sinful nature that's always pulling us 
in the opposite of direction of what Paul just said. It's always kind of gearing us towards self-indulgence. It's just who we are. It's who I am. Man, the stuff that runs in that out of my head about just feeding my desires, whoa, crazy, man. Chris like, what do you think of? Can't tell you that right now. Won't go well. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's just our carnal nature, huh? The thought of that we would be self-sacrificing and give us ourselves, ourselves, deprive our self-gratification for the sake of another, it, it's just not who we are. We live in a country, second, where hundreds of millions of dollars are spent to kind of give us this sense that it is about our self-fulfillment, gaining our place and position in life, and that this is what dictates our happiness. That if we can fulfill ourselves and we can fulfill our desires, that it's going we're going to be happy, right? And yet, that's incomplete. So we have this mindset that really says, life is primarily about me. And it is unusual for us to consider others. Even as believers, we might profess that, we might sing that, but again, we leave here and we interact with this culture that kind of just goes against that. But Christ is counterculture. I didn't say Christ leaves culture, ignores culture, dislikes culture, but he counters culture, right? Now, I'll give you an example. And it, 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 you're kind of towing the line here, but I want you to get this. So where it can be innocent and, and, and even seemingly okay. So New Year's Eve just left us about a week ago, and you have these things, resolutions, or people might even be talking about things they can do to make their lives better. I'm all about that. You know, I'm, a, I'm crazy about bettering yourself. You know that. And improving yourself. It's like I tell my kids every year, write yourself a new resume. We've got to put together a resume, right? You know, every year so you can look back and say, how have I grown? How have I improved myself? I'm just big on this stuff, making yourself better, growing. And so it, it's, but I think that's in and of itself, it's incomplete. So, New Year's Eve resolutions, how are we going to make ourselves better? Well, I'm going to eat less. That's a good one. I'm going, to, I'm going to get out of debt. I'm going to save money. Cool. I'm going to learn a new language. Okay, you know, you know, don't try Chinese. It's too hard. <laughs> Somebody told me that. I don't know if it's true. I've been wanting to learn a new language for years. People tell me you're from Brooklyn. It is a new language. It is the same thing. <laughs> I don't say the word ask anymore because you guys just give me such a hard time about it. I actually cross it out, when I, and I practice it in the mirror, ask, ask, <laughs> not ax. All right, where was I? So you have all these kind of these resolutions that, you know, and if you notice, they're good, they're productive. I, might, I even teach and preach things about doing such things, but in and of themselves, they are about you. And if that's where it begins and ends, it's incomplete of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're not going to develop that foundation to be a servant. Imagine if you added to that list of resolutions, and maybe you did. You know, this is the year that I'm going to visit my grandfather or grandmother more, or my aging parent. Or I'm gonna, you know, this is the year where I'm going to turn around and really serve my father or mother. I mean, I'm going to do something buku crazy for them. Matter of fact, I don't want this year to end that I don't do something for my mom or dad that floats their boat, that just jazzes them up, that makes them feel good about who they are, that really just brings them great joy. I want to, I want to do that this year, huh? Or this is the year that I'm going to turn around and, and, and you know, some, something in my neighborhood, I want to do something good for somebody in my neighborhood. That neighbor over there, 
you know, house is in disrepair or the lawn, you know what, I, I'm going to turn around, I'm going I'm to do at least twice a year, I want to go over there and do something nice. I'm going to mow the lawn or, or that, I'm going to do something. You see where I'm going? You know, or my wife or my husband. You know, this is the year where I'm going to do something for this person in my family, in my neighborhood, in my church, where I'm going to give of myself to make an impact in their life. I'm going to serve them. How many of those things are on people's resolutions? Not usually. And why? Well, because we don't have this servant mindset. Jesus said, this is the year that I'm going to come <laughs> and give my life. This is the year that I'm going to give my life. I'm going to give every drop of blood, every bit of me, all that I am. This is the year I'm going to do that. huh? And every year we want to start out by saying, you know what? This is the year that I'm not going to forget what Jesus did for me. That I'm going to dwell in it right now. That he gave his life. That he, he enabled me to see life in a greater way. He enabled me to be right with God. And I'm going to turn around and mirror that in my life to somebody else this year. huh? All right, so we're all over the place. So... This mindset is not, it's about me. This mindset says, it's about others. It's about God working through me to change the lives of others. And in this equation, that is beyond reason, beyond logic, beyond what I just feel in the depth of me that isn't right, is my happiness, is my freedom, is my fulfillment. And it's just because this is how God made us. God made us for relationship. God made us to serve others. This is how he made us. I've never met anyone in all my time, in my 20-something years of doing this, layperson or, 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 or doing this as a profession, that said, I regret caring and serving for others. Maybe in a moment, <laughs> okay? But as a whole, I've never, never met anybody that has said, as a whole, I regret living this life of serving and caring for others. Never. And that's why I'm all about what we have done here. From the very beginning, we said we are going to have this culture, this mindset of serving others. Before we came in here, we were out there, right? I said, okay, now, before we have our first time of coming in here and launching the church, before we launch this church, let's go out and let's start serving. We hooked up with the GCAC. We started helping out on a Thursday, cleaning pots and pans, and I just stunk at that. What a mess I would make, right? And, and just caring and, and serving food, and, and that began it. We're going to serve others. We're going to serve others. We only have this much money. We're going to serve others. We're going to care for others because we're going to do that. We're gonna, that's going to be a measuring, a measuring stick of who we are and what we're doing. How are we doing? Have we served anybody in our community this month? Now a month will go by where we're not doing something meaningful, something impacting, and that's as a whole, let alone what we do as individuals. And I am so incredibly blessed when I hear people in my community telling me what people in this church are doing out there individually. And it's you bringing this culture, the culture of this church out there. huh? How in the last several weeks what you've done with Christmas Tide and how you've gone and, and, and blessed and serving people and feeding them. How young people from our church go down to Worcester and load thousands. I mean, young people in their teenagers load thousands of pounds of food to come up to this area to feed others. They load 10, 15,000 pounds of food. They go down there and they load trucks. They leave 8 in the morning so that people who don't have food in this region can go to the GCAC and get food. How great is that, huh? That's our culture. You walk in and there's servant. You walk in and, you, and there's a, an attitude of servant, right? There's coffee, there's cakes, 
There's, we got breakfast sandwiches going on and, and souff, whatever they are, quiches or souffles, I don't know what, what you call them. I never get any of them because you eat it all. <laughs> I get the leftovers when I get home and it's usually not the good stuff, you know? It's the truth. But earlier in the week, you came together to help to pray for a woman. At night, you came together to pray for a woman who is going to have an operation, a serious one. Then one of you went and traveled there at 11 o'clock at night to be at that woman's side and to be there and to pray for her in the hospital. This is awesome. This is fantastic, huh? This is what God has called us to do. No, really. That's why I say you're not a Christian. You're a Christ follower. Put your faith into action. Because there is you're going to find the hand of God. That's where God's hand is. Many of you showed up (coughs) yesterday to work. I don't know if we have any pictures from yesterday. What went on there with the building? I wasn't there. I was taking a class on gerontology, which is the study of people who are aging. And no, it has nothing to do with me. I I don't consider myself aging. I I learned there's young, old, 65 to 75, then there's old, 75 to 85, and then there's old, old. No offense, Loretta. (laughs) 85 plus is old, old. (laughs) And uh, I just, I wanted wanted to, why did I take this gerontology class? Because I wanted to learn about how to serve older people. I want to consider them. I want to understand them. Why? So I can serve them better, you know? Right? I know. And I can't wait now that I know all of this stuff. Wow, you guys got it pretty, man, God got it rough. I know all this stuff about older people, listening to videos and tapes and interviews and, you know, days and days. Now I can serve them better, right? I can't wait to have my opportunities to serve these older people in such an incredible way. You know, that's what we're about. That's our culture. I can't wait to teach you how to serve older people. I'm going to teach you how to serve these older people, 65, 80, 90 years old. We're going to serve older people in such a magnificent way as a church. I cannot wait, right? You can't wait either, right? Say yes, Pastor Dave. We can't wait, man. (laughs) Patriots, you've got nothing on serving older people. We're right here with you, right? It's a beautiful thing, huh? So getting back to the building, I wasn't there on Saturday, but I heard it was a wonderful day yesterday that many of you came out. You had a blast together. I know when I got there, I was blown away by the progress. The place looked fantastic. It is looking so much more and more like who we are. You know, I, I, as along the way, about halfway through, I got a text. One of the volunteers sent me, and it was a quote from Joy, my youngest daughter. She's nine. And uh, see, the way it worked is I wasn't there, so Jim Murphy was kind of running the show. I put it to Jim to run, you know, to oversee things, right? And so they send this quote over, and it said this, and this is Joy's observation of Jim's leadership. (laughs) She says, well, I don't know who she's throwing under the bus more, Jim or me, but here it is. She says, well, if Jim wants to be in charge instead of my dad, well, he's going to have to act a lot more bossy. Because right now, he's just being way too nice to be like my dad. So, <laughs> so kids, they exaggerate so much, right? Because imagine me bossy. Could you? No way, right? <laughs> Somebody help me. I'm not Napoleon. Stop that. <laughs> so, but, but to see people were sending me pictures. Just do that. I was getting pictures of people sweeping and cleaning and working on walls and and to see you all out there, and people are saying, wow, we're building community. I got to know this one. Hey, you were right. This is a, I'm, I, my phone gets pounded with this stuff, and it's awesome. 
and I'm sitting and I'm just smiling and laughing to see you build community, to see you do something great together, to see you accomplish things together, to see you serve one another, to see you serve others. You've got to believe that. You're serving one another. You're spurring one another on to great things. You're serving people that you've never met. I, when I walk into that sanctuary now, because you feel it, right? When you walk in there, because, you know, now you're walking and you just, it's coming together. And I just take a deep breath because I'm not hyperbole. I don't exaggerate. I know. See, I was one of the ones I talked to you about. I know there's somebody that's going to come in here and they're going to come to know Christ. They're going to be a better husband. They're going to be a better wife. They're going to be a better person. They're going to be delivered from bondage and suffering. They're going to be inspired to do something great with their life. They're going to they're change, man, for the better. It's going to happen right in that place. You're serving them. See, I was one of them. I was on the outside, and then I'm on, and I'm on the inside. And I was on the outside for a long time. Still, I've been on the outside more than I've been on the inside. I think somewhere in my late 50s, yeah, I finally flip it, maybe. So what you're doing is you're serving people you don't even know. How unselfish is that, huh? That you are serving people who've done nothing for you, who you've never met, but right now are out there apart from God, not knowing the Jesus you know. And because of what you're doing with your giving, and your time, and your servanthood in that place, you're going to make a place for them to come. And it is. It is going to be a place where they can come. And I want to thank you so much for doing that. Now, our next workday is January 28th. Uh, so I was clear. I made sure I'd stay away from your football stuff, you know. <laughs> right? I did. I checked the NFL playoff schedule. You know, me and Jesus did a little quick check that out. <laughs> I know. I know better. And uh, plus, I figure you need some time to look for your wounds. I, I'm gearing up, man. I'm going to get you this year. I'm just telling you. I, I feel it. I feel it coming. You know, just, it's going to be the Steelers and the Patriots, and we're going to beat you this year. I feel it. Yeah, I'm not a prophet. I'm just, I'm just telling you. It's coming. Just stop preparing, you know. Stock up on your Prozacs. Do what you got to do. <coughs> yeah, I don't know. Call your relatives in Canada. I don't know. Whatever. But it's coming. We're going to beat you. All right, so. Listen, thank God that he sent Jesus who was focused on others, who had the mindset of a servant. We would all be dead in our sins. We would not even know good from evil. We would not even know to think of others. We would not even know to care. Thank God that he sent Jesus to change this world, that we have the forgiveness of sins, that we have eternal life, that because he headed to that cross and considered no one not himself, but only you. That he was not thinking of what was good for him. I mean, even when he's in the garden there, he's, I mean, he's shaking. His blood is pouring out of his pores. We know that. We know that could happen. Now, we know that you can become so stressed. You can come to a place of such inner agony that your, cap- your capillaries will burst and blood can pour out of your skin. We don't see it because we're human beings and we, would, we pass out before that would happen. But because he was fully man and fully God, he didn't pass out. He withstood that temptation to forsake God's will. He withstood that temptation to only indulge in himself and only think of himself. He hung in there and he shook in agony as blood began to drip out of his pores in that garden of Gethsemane. Huh? And he said, not my will, not my self-indulgence, not focusing on me, but your will, God. And if your will is, which I know it is, to turn around and to give myself for all of your people, and to serve others and not myself right now, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to serve them. We are here today because Jesus has served us. Huh? 
Think about Matthew chapter 10, verse 39. Jesus says this, Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There's a great life to be discovered. There's a great life for you to find, and it is in serving Jesus by caring for others and considering others. We miss this as we run through trying to build our own lives and kind of worrying about the future and trying to solve problems and answer questions and reconcile and and resolve things in our heads to make ourselves feel better and not be anxious. We're going crazy. And Jesus is saying, man, put that aside. Put your life aside. I've got something great for you. Lose your life to gain the life I have for you. Because in there is peace and in there is joy and in there is true fulfillment. And in there is the you that I made you to be. Huh? All right. We, try, we find that happiness and that joy and that satisfaction not when we make life all about us. This, although this is rooted in biblical teaching, even outside of Bible circles now, they know this. If you listen to interviews now, even of Brady, I listen to Tom Brady, I don't like the guy, but sometimes he'll say something I like. And he, he you know, quarterbacks, sports, actors, musicians, people who've come to prominent places in our culture now speak this more than not. That, hey, you know, this really, really we're finding that living outside ourselves is more fulfilling than living just for ourselves. Although we have the immense capacity to indulge ourselves, we are finding that we tend to be happier when we're not indulging ourselves, but trying to do something for others. The Gates, you know, uh, Melinda Gates, Bill Gates, they set out, they realized this. I mean, they're, they're some of the wealthiest, maybe the wealthiest people in the world. And I heard her speak, and it was incredible how she said, we just come to realize that we're just going to give our money away. And, and we started out by saying, look, we're convincing other billionaires to give half their money away. We have, they have like a, this group of people. She goes, listen, if we have a billion dollars, you give away half, we still got $500 million. It's, it's plenty enough. She goes, and we just want to go out there and change the world and help people and serve others. You know, vaccinations or food or you know, nets to stop them from getting, you know, bitten by mosquitoes and malaria. It's just incredible, you know? Just to think about that mindset of caring and serving for others. I'm all over the place here. Let's go, let's move on now to uh, the second fundamental in developing a mindset to serve God, to care and to serve others, to be a servant. It's check your motives, and we'll go through this quickly. Listen, now I want to do this because it's a little on the downside, but it's good. Hang in there with me. See, I think what happens is when people think servanthood, they've kind of been gotten accustomed to a certain way of approaching it or thinking about it or seeing it, that it's really actually not like exciting. Well, when you serve, you're going to be lifted up. Well, I wasn't really lifted up. Or, or that person, they serve, but they actually seem bitter. Or, you know, or they're disgruntled. Or, and I think what I'm going to give you is some of the reasons why. That happens, that when we're serving, we're not in more of a, you know, a, a kind of an upbeat place. We're not more glad. We're not more fulfilled. Whether we can see this in ourselves and our fellow believers or even people in our family, like what's happened? What's breaking down? I think it's because we carry some of this stuff in. I'll go to it quickly. The first thing is this. We're going to go through a few improper motives to serve. The first thing is God doesn't want service motivated by guilt. You see that? So, you know, three weeks pass by, you realize I haven't called my mother, you know? Or you get the call from your mother telling you it's been 29 days and seven hours since you called her, right? 
And so you're thinking, okay, well, you know, now, now I'm going to go visit her. And you're doing so out of guilt. Or you call her out of guilt. Or your grandparent. You do it out of guilt, right? Like, oh, no, I know it's the right thing to do, huh? And so what if you turn around and had this mindset that, you know what, as we talked about, man, I want to turn around and visit my grandmother or my grand. I want to turn around and help my mom or dad. It's something I want to do, huh? I mean, you're looking for, it's, you've, you've decided to have a mindset of a, see what the mindset does? You have a mindset of a servant. I want, this is an opportunity for me to connect to something great in me, to get into that conduit of God's blessing and draw closer to God, because I'm going to have that mindset of Christ to really begin to connect to what Christ did for me and to dwell in thanksgiving. Man, it just gets better and better. It's like one of those layer, multi-layer cakes. Each layer gets better than the next. This is awesome. I'm going to indulge in this now, huh? And so I'm just going to go and visit my mom or my dad, my grandma. And you know what? It's just going to be good. Even if it stinks, it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be good. No matter what they say, no matter how it goes, I'm just going to be glad that I'm doing this. And you know what? It'll go better. It will go well. You will be fulfilled. You will have a happiness when you go with that mindset. Did that connect to you a bit? Huh? You know, you, you, people, you come to church, right? Now, again, I, I, it's just who I am. You know, you come to church, and uh, afterwards you're hanging out, and you, you, you came with a plan, like, okay, we're going to go to church, and afterwards we're going to go out to lunch. And it's lunch, by the way. It's not dinner. you got to stop that nonsense. You're messing me up. Okay, you got breakfast, you got lunch, and then you got dinner or supper. Dinner is after five. It is not at lunchtime, okay? And you've got this thing of lunch is dinner. It's not dinner. It's lunch, okay? It's like this whole peanut butter and jelly thing with your grape and the strawberry. I know what I'm talking about here, okay? You don't hear them call it, you know, you don't hear them call it a dinner table. They don't think you're coming together at 12 o'clock in the afternoon. They think you're coming together in the evening. So stop telling me we'll meet for dinner, and you're thinking 12 o'clock, and I'm thinking after 5 o'clock. I just wanted to get that out there. All right, where was I? It's a French-Canadian thing. I know it is. <clears throat> where am I? All right, so you come to church, and, uh, you know, you're thinking, oh, man, it's been a long week. I'm going to go to church with my family. Afterwards, we're going to go out for some lunch, you know, grab something to eat. Then you get here, and you get ready, and all of a sudden, you see this person standing over there by themselves. Or you heard about so-and-so is going through a tough time from somebody, and... You're thinking, oh, shh, you know, like, should I invite them? or do? And you're wrestling back and forth, and you really don't want to invite them. You just want to hang out, have something to eat, chat with your family, whatever. But then you go and you do it, maybe. Or maybe you don't, or you do it, but you do it out of guilt. It's guilt, man. It's not where God wants you. He doesn't want you to do that out of guilt. And so, we, and you know what, and it probably goes okay. Maybe you feel relieved, maybe you feel you're, You've you fulfilled an obligation, but it pro- it's nowhere near, maybe it doesn't go well, nowhere near what God intended to do. But let's say you get up in the morning and you adopt that John Piper thing that you come to church on the lookout for God and you leave church on the lookout for people. Or you adopt what I said, what I came into the church, I went to that, I walked in and the night I walked in there, I just was really kind of uncomfortable hearing this like lady just go on about the ending of the world and Jesus. I'm like, what the heck is this, man? But, you know, but I get it. She's passionate about what she's speaking about. I, I, I respect that. It's over. I'm finding it out of there. And boom, I can't even get out. And a few guys come up to me and like, hey, how you doing? You know, would you like to come out to, you know, to eat with us afterwards? Meaning they came to that church that night looking to bless somebody. They came to church that night looking to see who God would bring into their path. Little did they know it would be sick old me, right? <laughs> 
crazy, demented, deranged me. And yet they did. They took me out to Fenley's that night. Didn't come back to church for months. But here I am today. Why? Because they came to church with a mindset of being a servant, looking for an opportunity to see how God would work through them, that they could love him. You get that. So if you come to church thinking, okay, you know what? Because that's how I come in. That's why you're over when I leave here. I usually have more people than I, I came in with. I was so disruptive to my in-laws in their Christianity. You got to know this when I came along, you know? I was, I was. Not that they were bad people. <laughs> they were good people. Oh, you're welcome. But imagine coming and thinking, you know what, God, if it's your will today and how you would have it in my life that you'd put somebody in, my, in, in our place. Wow, you know what? We were going to go out and we can't wait to go out. Maybe we can include somebody. Maybe we could turn around and see who you'd bring in our pay, place, you know? What we overhear, what we'd be sensitive to that we would move and consider others before ourselves. We want to have the mindset of a servant. Yes? All right, we'll move on. Next, God doesn't want us. God doesn't want our service to be motivated by glory, meaning our glory. We don't want to turn around and do things to see ourselves elevated, to get recognized by others. This is a crazy thing in the Christian church, right? You know, where people will do things to turn around and get their name on something or get recognized or get their name in a bulletin or get a position or a title or just get acknowledged. And it's just, and it's just not good. And it's prevalent, huh? You know, here at Cheer City, we, and you know what happens there is, they, I tell you what happens. They have these expectations, and those expectations are often not fulfilled. And it really gets very grinding. And there's frustration, and there's bitterness, and there's resentment, and there's this inner conflict that exists. And it's not healthy for the church, because Jesus asked his Father in heaven for what? He prayed that we would have what? Unity, huh? Listen, that, you know, here at Cheer City, we don't have membership. We don't. We don't have membership. We don't have many titles. I don't even know if we have any titles. I don't even, we don't have membership. We don't have a lot of titles. We don't have a lot of positions. We have no committees. We don't have any of that. And that's part of our culture, right? We don't, we don't want like 100 people and like 50 committees or like four or 500 people and like 90 committees. And every committee has this chairperson or this executive or this president or this leader. We, we don't want that, right? We just want to have community. We want to have relationships. As I say, say well, well how, do you, how do you become a part of that? I say, participate. Serve, right? We serve one another. How do you become a part of Cheer City Community Church? Serve. Serve each other. Love one another. Forgive one another. Care for one another. Serve. The, serve. We are our servants of Christ, right? We are ambassadors of Christ. That's how you become a part of Cheer City Community Church. You build relationships through caring of others. Yes? And I love it. I love what you've done. I love the way you care for one another. Huh? Recently, I got a call. It was an email. Was it an email or a call? It was a call. I got an email, then it got followed up with a call. And it was a person who's doing something in a church, and this meant so much to me. And they were calling me to talk with me because they were concerned that the next thing they were going to do in their responsibility and the task that was in hand and what they were doing in the church might draw too much attention to themselves. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> They're like, you know what, I was thinking of doing this, and I really think it would be a good idea, but if I do it this way, it's going to draw a lot of attention to me, and it's going to kind of elevate me. And I laugh, and I says, you're good, you're good. I just got off the phone, I was so encouraged by that, man. Like, they get it, they got it, you know. Lower ourselves, exalt Christ, submit ourselves. The Bible says if we submit ourselves to the mighty hand of God, that he will raise us up. Let God, let God raise you up. 
Let God glorify himself through you. Let God say to everyone, look what I've done in so-and-so's life. And you just serve. You serve, you serve, and you serve like crazy. All right, we're going towards the end here. We've got to move. All right, so last is the last way of uh, kind of the improper motivation, which is equally as wrong as the first two, is, this, is to, to serve with the motivation of gaining something. To serve with the motivation of gaining something. Wow, you got... This really creeps up on us, you know? Ministers, people, everybody. You know, that, that you're, gonna, you're doing this with an intention of getting something out of it, really for yourself. And I don't mean a closeness with God. I mean a personal gain. You know, I, I got to watch this even. I see this happen to me as a preacher where something will be going on, and I'll be like, wow, you know, if I do that, that would be a great illustration. You know, Christy, like, so when we come up, when we come up on those relationships, every year we do a relationship series, and, and, and it's like, okay, all right, you know, wow, you know, if I let her sleep in late, you know, and serve her breakfast, and I can tell everybody what a great husband I was in an illustration that next Sunday, right? You know, Christy sees it coming a mile away, huh? <laughs> but, but really, there are times when I will catch myself in this. You know, God, the Holy Spirit, he, it's, the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It cuts through bone and marrow. It divides, and it goes right, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts, man. I'll be looking into something, and I just feel that, like, man, where's your motivation here? Do you really want to do this? Is this something that you really want to be a part of, or are you going to do this because it would be a great story to tell everybody? It would make you look so good. You would have so much to gain here. So whether it's something getting from my wife or an illustration here, if I catch that, I pause. I do. And I put myself before God, and like, God, have mercy on me. What's going on here? And you know, if I, and if once I suspect it, what I do is I just say, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to make sure right now I'm not going to talk about it up in the front as if me. And if I do talk about it, I'm going to make sure there's nothing in it connected to me that people could say. I do. That's, I make that promise before God, you know? And uh, when was the last time I cooked breakfast for you in bed? Is it like the second year we were married? <laughs> I did it once, didn't I? I did, right? I got the whole, I went out and bought the, what do you mean? No, I, I bought the whole tray and everything. You remember I, went, I bought the tray? I actually went out and bought the whole tray. You remember the tray, all right. All right, well. Okay, I, I did it, I did it, all right. Now you remember me, sure, okay. All right, listen. You know, it's all, it's all about doing something without personal gain. That's what's happening in there. You know, we, with this building, we, you got, we got a bunch of people going to Tennessee. It's coming up on us next month. In the midst of everything we're doing, a group, I think it's about 15, maybe 16 people now are going to Tennessee. A good chunk of that are teenagers from this church, teenagers, people who attend this church, people who don't attend this church, people who have helped out, the contractor who's helped out with the building substantially, really built our sanctuary, okay? He's coming to Tennessee. People outside our church are coming there. Our teenagers are going, adults, we're going to Tennessee to help renovate a drug recovery and homeless center. Isn't that awesome? It is. I was talking to the people yesterday, no, I'm sorry, Friday, and they said, you know, we just want to, now when we, when we went down there, we were blown away by really the places kind of in disrepair, because you're thinking Tennessee, not even an hour outside of Nashville, ton of, Crazy money down in there in Christian circles, right? That, you know, 
I'm hearing such good things about the place, and the place is really kind of, the people are awesome, the place is kind of in disrepair. And I'm like, wow, how could this be going on? Even when I talked to my friend in Nashville, I said, man, we, we were surprised that, that you know, the place is, it needs you know, kind of some help there. And, you know, and we started praying about it. We started putting some legs to our prayers and say, we're going to come back down here and we're going to fix this place up. We just, you know, when you do that, you start kicking things up, man, you know? I went down there, that contractor went down there, and we, we got people, you know, people that we have down there from our church that are being rehabilitated, you know? One's come home already, they, you know, they made it through, they did 60 days, they made it through, doing well. Another one comes home next week, makes, making it through, he's doing good. <laughs> and we got our last one who flipped out of there, but went back in, huh? So how cool is that? Yeah, yeah, you know? And you don't see that too often, that somebody will leave a program and two weeks later say, you know what, I want to go back in. To God be the glory, right? Yeah. All right, so to my, my, my point here is that we're, this is all, there's no gain here for anybody. There's no, nobody going on this trip has any personal gain going on. You got kids giving up their, their winter vacations, people giving up time from their businesses, people giving up time from their personal life, all that going on. I'll start dancing. <laughs> you know? We'll, we'll do that. <laughs> All right, that was inappropriate, not necessary. But anyway, I don't know why I did the last thing. I have no idea. It's just, I'm, the Steelers are playing at 1 o'clock. I'm getting excited. I'm thinking about Tennessee and going down here with a bunch of people. We're going to have a great time. I'm going to tell you, we are going to have a blast when we go down there. We're going to have a time of... And what? There's, no, there's nothing to gain. We're just doing this to serve others. And to be thinking about that. When you, that's like, okay, wait a minute. Time out. Time out. You know, you don't do this. That's why we don't have all these committees and all these boards, because they would, they would strike this down. They'd say, wait a minute, we're, we're putting up a building, our budget is tight, we're trying to raise money, we only have so much time, we have so many people. No. You got to count the cost, you got to know what you're doing. This is not the time to do this. And I say, our culture is to be servants, yes? To serve God. I'm not saying we're better than anybody. I'm just saying we have a great God. We have a phenomenal Savior, Jesus Christ. And I want to just trust in Him. I want to have His mindset. And I want us to be, have that mindset of a servant. And I want to put it into action. Not just sing it. Not just preach it. I want you to see it, okay? I want you to see this and grasp it, that this is who we are. And I cannot wait to get down to Tennessee. And I thank God for all those who are joining us. All right, I'm going along. Worship team, why don't you come on up? You know what? We're just going to go towards the end here. The Apostle Paul, she has two problems to develop that. He says in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 says, Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Paul says here that the proper service to God is motivated by compassion and love. You see? It's motivated by compassion and love. God was motivated by compassion and love. For God so loved the world, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. John 3.16. And so we want to be motivated by love and by compassion for others. And we do that as we look to God, as we look to Jesus Christ, and we realize the great love he had for us, and that now we can have compassion and love for others, and through that now we can serve them. That's our fuel, the compassion and the love. Why did people take me off the streets? And, and they just, they didn't even know me. 
And what they could see of me certainly was nothing desirable. You know? Unstable, anxious, restless, foul mouth, critical. It's probably belonging on the streets. And you, you know what? We have this love and compassion for this person. huh? Why? Because God first loved us. And we love him. And we are looking for opportunities to be a servant. And I guess... We were hoping for something better, but here it is, right? <laughs> this deranged 17-year-old young man. And, and that's an opportunity to serve God. And man, they pounced on it. They pounced on it like you were thinking it was, it, you know, that they, they, it was going to be like the, some great stock investment. Or you were thinking it was going to be like the answer to their retirement. You, the way they poured themselves into me and the way they turned around and gathered around me as a community, not just one person as a community, blew me away. When, I, when they were done with me, I could not deny there was a God. I drifted from God. I struggled with God. I sinned brutally, but I could never let that go. That I was served, that I was served, that I was served, that I was served, I was served, 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 served. By older ladies, by younger people, by moms, by dads, by kids, by teens, I was served. And they did it. Why? Because they loved this guy named Jesus. They loved Jesus. And sometimes they told me that, and sometimes they didn't. They would just serve me. Why don't you stand? Father, I'm so grateful for this day and this time, oh God. So grateful of this church that you have built, oh God. So thankful that you are raising up people who are not preoccupied with their own well-being, oh God with their own interests, but desire to serve you wholeheartedly, O God, and to serve others. God Almighty, even now, birth in us this mindset of being a servant, O God. Let us begin to warm up to it, to cherish it. Let us begin, O God, to desire to live outside of ourselves, to bless those in our family, O God, our spouses, our parents, our grandparents, O God, our relatives, O God. Lord, those in our neighborhood and those in our community, those in our schools, O God, those on our teams, O God, let us be a servant, O God. Let us have the mentality, the mindset of looking out for opportunities to, be, to show the love and compassion of Christ others. If there's someone in here today that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, God Almighty, I pray now that they have a sense. There is something in them, oh God, that is stirring. And Lord, they connect that to you. That that in them, which is cultivating, which is stirring, which is a wrestling, oh God, which is a pondering, a thinking, that this is the spirit that you breathe into them, that it is kicking around, oh God, like something waiting to be born, oh God, something that's being awakened, oh God, that it is you who are drawing them closer to you, God, right now, Lord. And Lord, that they would just surrender to that. Lord, that they would right now begin to desire to be closer to you, to give of themselves to you, O oh God, knowing that your hand is upon them, that you will not fail them, that you will raise them up, O oh God, that you will glorify yourself through them, O oh God, that they will serve you, O oh God, they will enjoy you, O oh God that they will know eternal life of God as they turn to you and they know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. Amen.